will the U.S. economy be able to stand on its own? Hello, I'm Jonathan Mays, Editor-in-Chief of Restaurant Business Magazine, and in this week's edition of A Deeper Dive, I speak with economist Joel Neroff to answer that very question. Joel is the president of Neroff Economics, a strategic economic consulting firm that works with corporations and financial institutions. He is also the author of Big Picture Economics, How to Navigate the New Global Economy. Joel is quite familiar with the restaurant industry through his work with Black Box Intelligence. We talk about the economic lift the $600 in additional weekly unemployment benefits has had on the economy and on the restaurant industry in particular, and what their potential end or reduction could have on the economy going forward. We also talk about the economic impact of the coronavirus and why it's far more crucial for the economy to get that virus under control than anything else. Please have a listen. Okay, I'm here with Joel Neroff. Joel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So um, uh, as we speak, the the $600 in extra unemployment benefits has run out. Uh, it is my belief that that has provided a backstop for um, for for the restaurant industry, which has helped fuel growth. Uh, and I'm uh, considerably worried about uh, the potential impact of the loss of those funds. Am I right to be worried or am I paranoid? You are absolutely correct in your analysis. There is no doubt about it. I think the easiest thing to see where the impacts of the government funding has come from is in the income statements that we get once a month. And if you take a look at those numbers, uh, you know, we had, you know, dramatic declines in wages and salaries in March and April. And it just started to rise in May. And part of that was coming from the fact that more and more people were finally getting on the unemployment rolls. It took weeks upon weeks for that to happen. And the extra $600 was giving them, you know, the ability to spend. And, and you can see that wage and salary growth was minimal. But government transfers, the, the money coming from the government, is what created just about all of the gains as far as um, income goes. So that $600 is, is probably been the key. And you have to keep in mind that there's over 30 million people collecting unemployment compensation of one form or another. Um, there's the regular unemployment compensation that people know about, but it's also this uh, additional compensation that goes to companies, to individuals who were um, you know, had their own businesses, small business people, subchapter S, LLC people, whose businesses basically disappeared, and they're eligible too. So what's happening is this $600 is going to tens of millions of people once a week. And that has really been the backstop to consumption and spending in, you know, as we exist right now. And if we lost that, it would have a dramatic impact. Yeah. It's not a significant, it's not an insignificant amount of money. $600 a week is like $30,000 a year. So essentially you have what, 30 million people making $30,000 a year, suddenly losing their jobs. It's almost impossible to imagine that doesn't have some impact on spending. Oh, it's incomprehensible to see what would happen if that were the case. Uh, you know, we're talking at $600 a week. You know, the way I, I put it is uh, it's $15 an hour right mm -hmm. there. 
And that's just the additional funding. If you're getting two to four hundred dollars a week in, you know, in addition to that, you have people now who are looking at, you know, not just thirty thousand, but forty to fifty thousand dollars on an annual basis. So for them, uh, this is money that they can spend and it is really, as you put it, backstopping the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we saw it like, uh, I remember in mid April and, uh, you know, and I talked to a lot of restaurant operators, obviously. And, and, you know, right around mid April, I heard from several of them that they saw an immediate, um, an unexplained spike in sales. And uh, it coincided with people starting to receive the first of their stimulus checks. Once those that uh, twelve hundred dollars started getting into people's, um, uh, people started receiving the twelve hundred dollars in their bank accounts and whatnot. Um, they immediately started spending again, um, kind of like clockwork almost. And and restaurants were a major beneficiary, and they'd been increasing ever since. That that's exactly the case. I think what we're seeing is. And, and what's you know most critical, and, and what I think is more critical than another twelve hundred dollar uh, check. I mean, it's nice, uh, you know, politically it has the president's name on it and all of that stuff. But really, it's consistent funding that matters to people when it comes to spending. Uh, if if they get a one shot check, they're not going to run out and spend a lot of it. But if they know for the next three to six months, they're going to have uh, the additional funding, whatever that amount may be per week, they can start budgeting that money, and that money is, you know, is going to be going to the restaurants. I mean, people, um, you know, they, they've changed. There's no question they, they are now eating at home a lot more, and restaurant sales are being maintained. Uh, but people are also tired of uh, of, of cooking every day, mm-hmm. and when they have a consistent flow of income, which is the unemployment benefits and the additional unemployment benefits, then they're, f- they're f- feeling much more comfortable to go out to eat. So, you know, that's where it comes from, not just the $1,200, but much more importantly, the added funding and the, and the unemployment compensation. So what happens to the economy from here? Because uh, it would seem to me that with the loss of that, then you'll start feeling the actual, the effects of the actual unemployment that we have absent um, absent any, I mean, I, I imagine that they do something at, at the congressional level to replace at least some of the stimulus, but it doesn't appear that they're going to replace all of it. So what, what happens from here? Oh, there's no, there's no, you know, no question that, uh, where we go from here is, you know, the, the biggest issue, um, how they replace that $600 is going to be you know critical. And as I said, uh, a check is nice, but it's, uh, and it helps, you know, some people pay the rent and so on. But in terms of, let's say, you know, uh, the, the kind of consumption, the kind of spending that a household does, it, it's that flow of, of funding. And that's, you know, we're going to get some of that. Uh, I don't think there's any question about it. I don't think it's going to be this 70% replacement of income because, as, as you pointed out, it took to the middle of April before mm-hmm. people's checks started coming in. And anybody says it's going to come right away, just didn't see what happened this year. So I don't think, you know, we're going to see, you know, necessarily checks. We may. I hope it's not as large. I hope more of that money is put into the the compensation. Um, But it's the, I agree with you. uh, I don't think it's going to be as, as large 
as mm-hmm. the $600 edition. And, and that's important. Uh, and, you know, how much we cut back, and I think it could be cut back to as little as $300. Now, that doesn't seem small, but when you've been getting $600, you know, that's a lot of money for uh, an individual or a family. And that's going to affect the, the kind of spending that they do. I don't think the 70% of income makes sense because states are just not capable of handling that and doing all the calculations and getting the funding out in, in time. I still hear people talking about, you know, anywhere from six, eight, 12 weeks before they get mm-hmm. any checks. Uh, that can't happen again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were kind of, I mean, a little bit in fairness to the states, they were completely overwhelmed. I mean, the number of people that lost jobs in, in, in March and April was, was, was absolutely insane. Um, and, uh, I mean, pretty, pretty historically unprecedented, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, we're talking tens of millions of people who are filing. You know, we were, we were looking at six million people in a week. Uh, those are numbers that, you know, the states couldn't, you know, deal mm-hmm. with. But how do you get back to that additional money without cycling back to all of the individuals yeah. that you've already, uh, you know, put on the rolls? Yes, the, the funding is there, but anybody who thinks all you have to do is put another column into a computer, uh, program mm-hmm. and bingo, the numbers pop out, uh, obviously hasn't dealt with, yeah. <laughs> you know, state organizations. And, and that's important because, you know, on Thursday we get, the second quarter GDP number, the, the numbers for the uh, the spring, and and that's going to be the largest decline in history. I don't think there's any question. Uh, the the ranges from mid 20s to upper 30s down. I think the consensus is somewhere around 30 to 32 percent decline. You know, it almost doesn't matter how much it is. Uh, you know, going forward. It, it, I mean, at this particular point, I think what you have is a situation where this, the spring was horrendous, and we knew that's the case, mm-hmm. and we know the summer is going to be good, but what's happening because of the reopening, but what's happening now is that the, the virus, as it spreads, and as it begins to get mm-hmm. out of control again, um, that's going to affect the level of growth in the second quarter, in the third quarter, the summer quarter, and the fourth quarter, because mm-hmm. if we don't get it under control over the summer, and we start getting into flu season, you know, the the fall and the winter could be, you know, really ugly again. So, you know, when you ask the question, where do we go from here? Uh, you know, what we need to look at is is whether or not this bounce back, you know has a big bounce to it or not a big bounce. If we're talking about a 5 to 10% increase after a 30 or 35% decline, that's not very good. Mm-hmm. And that's a possibility. And, and that's something that people got to, you know, have to start thinking about at this particular point. Uh, and, and that's due to the virus. Until we get that under control, uh, I, I think, you know, we've got some real issues facing the economy and spending. And that affects confidence as well. So, you know, the, the unemployment payments matter, but confidence matters. And that's going to be linked you know, to our ability to get the virus back under control, at least to some extent. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, people, I mean, we've already lost so much because of the, the virus and, and uh, you know, people, you know, are just not, 
going out and celebrating in the manner in which they used to do. They're not doing a lot of the things that they used to do. Um, and, uh, you know, that it's, it's impossible to imagine that that continues, uh, if this virus continues to spread to me, it seems like that the, the, the best, uh, solution to get this, uh, economy back rolling, um, uh, is to get that virus under control. Well, that's, that's what people, that's what economists have been saying for months now, the best economic policy is a health policy. Is spending mm -hmm. vast amounts of money in 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 testing and in tracing and in and in being careful. Now, you know, some of the the careful aspects of things really affect the, the restaurant industry because you know, obviously, uh, you know, I'm in New Jersey right now, and there's you know, the restaurants are not allowed to have anybody inside mm -hmm. uh, and you know other states have 25 or 50 percent and how do you make money under those sets of circumstances but the point is if you don't do that then how do you get the uh, virus under control so there's a lot more sacrifice that's going to be made and the other thing to keep in mind when it comes to the virus is it's, it's not just that the virus is out there but it, it affects uh, demographic groups in different ways. And in particular, uh, when you look at, for example, baby boomers, the older mm -hmm. generation, they've got a lot of disposable income. They tend to eat out an awful lot. Mm -hmm. And if they're afraid to go out to restaurants, um, you're going to be having a situation where restaurants have really a very low top to their uh, sales. I mean, you know, what what is the maximum they can, you know, they can have if boomers are being extremely cautious in going out to eat. So it's it's not even saying how, you know, individuals, you got to look at the specific kinds of groups. And and if you look at uh, you know, fast casual or fast food, um, that's where, you know, the unemployment compensation mm -hmm. funding comes in. Um, and, you know, you look at the groups that are hurt most, especially in minorities that are being affected so greatly, uh, you know, how do they spend money? You've got to do a more detailed breakdown than simply say, well, we need to get it under control. Mm -hmm. you know, even if it's not, even if it begins to get under control, if certain groups are unwilling to spend, yeah. and those are groups that are, tar you know, that, that spend a lot on, on eating out then the restaurant industry will continue to have a significant problem. Yeah, yeah. So you think that the economy is at a pretty good risk of a double-dip recession at this point? Well, I'm not necessarily saying we're at a double-dip recession. I'm just simply saying that, you know, the the recovery, mm -hmm. you know, we have, if you look at it as a V, okay, it, it's it's more of a situation where we had a huge decline, everything shut down. Mm -hmm. We've had a, we're having a comeback in, in starting in really May and especially June and probably July and August as well. So we have a pretty good size increase. Yeah. Uh, what we have to look at is once you get that reopening increase, where do you go from there? Mm -hmm. That's really the issue. And one government, you know, the government welfare system has to, if that's not in place, you're not going anywhere. 
whether you decline or just grow slowly, I think what happens is you go to go back, you know, after this, you know, rebound to some pretty sluggish economic growth. And it takes us a long time to get back to where we were at the end of 2019. For example, I don't think we can get back to the level of consumption that we had, the level of consumer spending at the end of, of last year until the spring or, uh, or maybe even the summer of 2022. That's two years from now. And, and that means that while spending may increase over time, it's not going to increase very rapidly. And, you know, it's the level of demand that matters, not mm-hmm. just the change in the level. And I know restaurants would love to get back to where they were, you know, last December or January or February, but it could take a long time. That's my fear. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can have a $2 million uh, revenue restaurant. You could lose 50% of your revenue. You're down to, to uh, 1 million. And then you can uh, see your sales increase 50%. You're still down, um, you know, you're still down half a million after that. So, that's, exa- that's exactly the case. And even if you grow at 10%, it's going to a year mm-hmm. going forward, it's going to take you another, you know, two to three years just to get back to the 2 million. Yeah. 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 And it's, that's, yeah. that's the problem. Right. I mean, there, there's been a tremendous amount of economic damage to done. I mean, already um, to this country and certainly to, to the restaurant industry. And it just, just fundamentally takes a long time to, to get back to to that previous level, um, and I, I, so are we assuming here that when when you talk about 2022, are you assuming that it's going to take? Uh, is that as, as assuming that things just do start to pick up, or are you uh, starting to adjust for um, the the resurgent virus and and uh, things like that? Well, I what I've done is I've marked down just a little bit of the you know the recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, I, right now, I don't have a second dip. I don't have a decline, but I have uh, a pretty soft recovery after the summer quarter, um, and and that's really where the the worry does does come from. If we don't get the virus under control, um, if we don't have uh, a vaccine or a treatment that eases things, you know, greatly. Um, then you run the risk of, of a second dip, yeah. uh, and and but that's not likely to come until the end of this year or the first part of next year. If we get into January and February, and we're in the middle of of you know flu season and the virus is still running, and we don't have uh, you know treatments and we don't have vaccines. Then I think we 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 have a real significant chance of a second dip. Yeah, right. Does it does he? And then the then and then what the government does, what Congress does from here, probably plays a pretty significant role, I'd imagine. Oh, absolutely. You you draw. I mean, you know, it's one thing they're they're going to probably extend these benefits to the end of the year. They'll extend it to the end of the year because it gets them through the election. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. You know, the, the question I, I raise every day, and I started raising this, you know, once they pass the CARES Act, is what happens when all of the government funding runs out? Mm-hmm. Because at some point it has to. We're going to run something in the range of a $4 trillion budget deficit this year. 
and maybe two and a half trillion dollars next year. Now, unfortunately, we needed to do that just to keep the economy, you know, from totally crashing and burning. But at some point, the government has to, you know, get out and, and we have to start, you know, businesses have to start making money the old fashioned way. They have to start earning it rather than getting it from government, you know, welfare payments. I mean, this is the largest social welfare system I think this country has ever seen. It, it's significantly greater than we saw even in the 30s growth during the, the depression. So uh, when you start recognizing the role the government has played, and it's not just the, the federal government in terms of unemployment compensation and PPP and everything else that they've been helping mm-hmm. out. It's the Fed that has essentially kept stock and bond markets in mm-hmm. shape and, and really kept the, the Fed's buying you know stocks indirectly through ETF, but they're, they're creating a floor under the stock market. They're into, you know, they're involved in the bond market constantly. So this economy is being run not by the private sector. It's being run by the public sector. Eventually, we do want to get back to, you know, no. a capitalist society, not a socialist economy, mm-hmm. which to no small extent we have. It's unfortunate we no. need it. But uh, when that happens and that largesse comes out of the system, then we've got this this economy isn't in really good shape then we've got some real problems yeah how do you know when when is it cuz you, you i mean obviously you're right i mean you, the you know the government has to um it has to stop at some point and uh how do you know when the right time is to do something like that it it my my suspicion is now is not the right time um because of the way the virus is going I don't think, uh, at least look, the way I look at it and from my chair, it doesn't look like the, the, the employment market is strong enough to, to sort of withstand a hit um, to spending that it would take. Uh, so when do you know when, the, when, when is the right time for the government to take this stuff? I think it goes back to how we started this discussion. Mm-hmm. When you get the virus under control, you'll be able to free the economy from the government's support Mm -hmm. Uh, until or unless that happens, there's going to have to be some, some um, heightened level of government support, whether it's through the fed, whether it's through unemployment compensation, whether it's through, you know, payments to businesses, whatever may be the case, um, this economy, you know, it's downturn and it's upturn you know, is all a function of the virus. Until we get it under control, you know, you know, that's the issue. So how do you know when, when you, when you get that vaccine, then you'll know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that would be, um, yeah. Getting that vaccine. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely critical at this particular point to, to get that vaccine done because it doesn't appear that there's, there's enough of a taste on the part of uh, the state or any state or federal government to um, to enact probably the 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 re, the re restrictions that are probably necessary to get the virus under control. Um, in well, that's absolutely the case, and uh, you, you know you're right there. And and as far as I'm concerned, you know, it, 
viruses know no borders. Yeah. They don't know the difference between one state or one city and another. Mm-hmm. So this can't be state, even a statewide. Or right now we have local decisions being yeah. made. Right. This is a national policy. We don't have a national policy. No. And that's been, at least as far as I'm concerned, the biggest failure in this whole process is that the federal government, you know, unlike most other countries around the world, has failed to set the standards. Mm-hmm. They've essentially allowed it. Now, it's true that there are differentials. If you're in the middle of, you know, uh, North Dakota in a small town, you may not have even seen the virus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're in Houston right now, you wish you were in the middle of North Dakota. Uh, you know, so you know, everything can't be one, but there had to be much, you know, more firm and specific guidance on what to do and standard set. And that's been a failure. It's yeah. been an absolute failure as far as that goes. Yeah. Yeah. My concern is that we, we, uh, you know, I it, it's I wouldn't go so far as to say we wasted it, but it we really did not even come close to doing enough. Um, uh, during you know was you know what was was a pretty severe quarantine as it was, you know, and you know I mean if, if and it, it's pretty frustrating to come out of that, um, uh, and then so quickly see a resurgence of the virus. And to me, it seems like we we did not take advantage of that opportunity to completely tramp, uh, you know, to, to completely suppress it. Oh, and again, I agree with you completely. Just, you know, the simple fact that we're going through a second round of massive uh, stimulus payments and, and, and income transfers on the part of the government to mm-hmm. the household. Is an, is an indication that a lot of what we spent in March and April and May and June mm-hmm. has been squandered. Yeah, yeah. And it's squandered because we didn't, as you, and you're absolutely right, we didn't take advantage. We didn't build on it. Instead, we simply, you know, said, okay, that's enough. Yeah. And when we weren't ready to say that's enough. Right, right. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, it's 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 it's, a, it's not the uh, um, it it's not the shutdown. It's the it's the virus that's going to ultimately cause the most economic damage. I mean, to me, it was always telling that you know if you ask one hundred percent of economists, they told you know they would say as you said, um, get the public health con- under control because um, a a rapidly spreading and uncontrolled virus is far worse for the economy than telling people not to go out to restaurants and bars. Uh, I agree, and or telling people to you know to wear masks. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, straightforward. I'm boggled by the idea that something as simple as wearing a mask mm-hmm. uh, um, has become a political issue yeah. when it's a health issue, and and that's where the failure on the part of the federal government to lead mm-hmm. comes into play. It doesn't cause, I mean, we put on seatbelts every day. Yeah. That saves lives. We put on masks every day. It not only saves lives, but it would save the economy, help save the economy. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I, that's because of a lack of leadership. Yeah. Yeah. We wear pants every day because uh, we don't want people to look at ourselves without <laughs> pants on. So, I mean, there are, uh, I mean, there, <laughs> there are seemingly, uh, less critical health, uh, 
there are seemingly uh, restrictions we put on ourselves uh, for reasons that are less critical than our own health um, every single day. So it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And masks are always one. I mean, it's the one way, the one, the easy way that we can have at least some sort of economy back um, absent everything else. Absolutely. I mean, and, and that's, you know, I, 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 I keep harping on it because it's, it needs to be harped on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's something that is both a health and an economic plus. Yeah. And yet we're not taking the stands necessary to implement a fairly straightforward and relatively easy way to help the health and help the economy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that is a uh, great time to um, to end this. Uh, Joel, this was fabulous. I really appreciate you joining us this week on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me, and I'd be more than glad to come back in the future to, to give some thoughts mm-hmm. on where things may be going at that point. And that's it for this week's edition of A Deeper Dive, which was edited by Kimberly Kazmarek. Artwork by Nico Hines and Sarah Stewart. You can find this and other episodes of the podcast on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash deeper dash dive. You may also subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or find a deeper dive wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jonathan Mays, your host and podcast producer. Thank you for listening. 